And welcome back. I'm Mike with another episode of the Turntable Teachers. Class is officially back in session. And thank you for joining us wherever you are. I am in the studio today with a special guest from all the way from the second floor of my house. Uh, my brother Anthony is joining us for a review of the weekend's brand new album, After Hours. No one's around to judge me. I can see clearly when you're in March it was the end of March do, do you know the exact date March 20th my birthday actually. oh so oh, well only fitting we had you on then for this <laughs> there you go uh, it was kind of funny he uh, Anthony comes up to my, my room uh, maybe a week or two ago and he was like well if you have nobody to talk to about the weekend album uh, I think uh, I think I'd be I'd be your guy so of course I said yeah why not there's no instead of me talking to myself this whole time so this works out well so what was like your like introduction to the weekend? Like where what album did you start with or like what type what uh song did you maybe hear the first from him? I listened to Trilogy a little bit and then I didn't really get into him until Beauty Behind the Madness and then Starboy. And then like once I listened to Starboy, I was like, All right, like he's definitely one of my favorite artists by now. Um, but back in two thousand twelve when he released Trilogy, I like listened to him a little bit, but I didn't he wasn't really like on my radar. Um, but this this album in particular is definitely one of my favorite ones in a while. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of come out the gate here, and uh, this is probably one of my favorite albums of the year. I think it's going to be an album of the year contender. Um, I think it's definitely up there for now. We'll see how it, how it kind of fares the rest of the year for me. But uh, yeah, no, I'm kind of in the same boat. I listened to the trilogy a ton way back in the day. Uh, I want to say like, yeah, around the 2010, 12-ish time. And then he came out with that Kissland album. And I remember going with the time with my roommates at like a college. Small one, like a EP or something. something. No, the, so Kissland came right after the trilogy. So that was actually so for me personally. That's actually I think his worst album, uh, or or least memorable, I should say. I don't think I ever ever recall it to be honest with you. So that probably makes sense. Yeah, it's it's decent. Um, I, w- I wouldn't say it's it's one of his better ones. I'm with you. I, I like Beauty Behind the Madness was where I really started to like fully like you said get into him like 100%. Like he was definitely one of he became one of my favorite artists after that album and then Starboy just like completely pushed that envelope even further for me. Like like that solidified it to the point where I was like, yeah, like The Weeknd's probably one of my top 5 or 10 artists that I have in, in my library that I listen to. I feel like that's a lot of people's like same progression cuz I feel like, you know, can't feel my face like when that song came out like that was like his big hit yeah right i feel like that like definitely like put him on the map and like like i don't know that song was just everywhere you know like yeah it's kind of hard to ignore him at that point 
I think that's where he started because like this album in particular to kind of go back off of uh, go back to uh, After Hours like this uh, this album is definitely a lot more like 80s driven and like the sound and you could hear him kind of going that direction a bit in the last two albums like I feel like Can't Feel My Face was like the first time where I like listened to him and I was like he actually has given me some like Michael Jackson type sounds and things like that so and then he he did a little bit more on Starboy like towards the end uh, like more with like I feel it coming with Daft Punk like that those like those types of songs mm. definitely had this 80s style uh, like driven sound like that really like heavy synth elect- uh, eclectic electro pop that's really embedded on this album for sure well you said something that was kind of funny right before off air when before we talked you said uh, in this album especially but I think this has been his kind of mo the entire time where you said feels like he wants to be loved by everyone but then loved by no one and I kind of I kind of agree with that because when you see like anybody that hasn't seen Uncut Gems he's like the Mr. Steal Your Girl like he's classic like he was Mr. Steal Your Girl before like Chris Brown made it like a thing you know what I mean yeah I mean the girl's (laughs) like oh my god have you heard of like this new guy like The Weeknd and he was like what the hell was The (laughs) Weeknd Adam Sandler's part yeah which by the way the movie's awesome but no, it's cool to see him uh, like get into like some movies and acting for sure. Yeah, was, that was definitely like it was, it was really nice to see him on on that movie. So I'm curious for you, like what stood out to you the most about this project? Because I know I mentioned this like a little bit earlier in the episode that I think that this album is his most conceptual. It kind of goes from him, obviously, you know his relationship with Bella Hadid kind of going awry and and now he's kind of in this place where he's alone and he kind of sees how like I think there's a lot of self-reflection on this album not that he doesn't do that already but this is maybe the most self-reflective I think he's ever been just in terms of like him's like starting again like obviously like the first track we have alone again and he's alone clearly and then he goes through like obviously on too late it's his fault for, for for the relationship souring and then talking about how he's like the hardest to love and blah 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 it kind of just goes through this progression of the weekend sort of having this really this kind of almost growing moment uh to the point where at the very end of the the album he kind of just leaves us on this like cliffhanger uh where you know he has this like inability to move on from his ex and like this ultimately like may kill him like these demons that haunt like that like the the parts of him that he knows that need yeah. that need work and you know like the parts of him that he loves and does not love he definitely has like this like back and forth conversation with himself like over the whole album you know um and i mean it has you know characteristics of a good album it tells a story and it like paints a picture throughout the whole entire thing it gives you so much different feeling from from you know front to back um you know just like the the interlude and you know snow child heartless like there's just so many different like stages i mean it's only it's only 56 minutes long and it feels like it's like a whole you know a whole like audio novel it's like it's very in-depth. Sure. Oh, absolutely. I think it's very in-depth. Uh, just in terms of, like I said, the the progression of how he feels. Uh, you know, obviously, like, I thought what a highlight for me very early on in the track listing was Hardest to Love. 
Uh, I think this is like definitely one of my favorite tracks on the album. Like basically, he's like admitting the part that he had in the relationship, like falling apart. Um, this girl, who we p- presume is Bella Hadid, um, you know, has been trying to keep it alive for so long, but like he knows that he can't. I really like the hook here. I think it's like super catchy. It's got like that really nice hint of like blues, but still has like glossy 808s that are super groovy that just work like so well with his voice. I think that that was one of the biggest things with this project as a whole as well as the production fits so nicely with a lot of the pitch control that he has in his voice. I thought that Hardest to Love was like the peak of the first half of the album to me in terms of like energy. Uh, yeah, no, I'd say I'd probably agree because then it kind of changes up a little bit from Scared to Live and then Snow Child is definitely a little more, you know, like... Snow Child is super somber. Slowed, yeah. Slow. Yeah. I thought the I thought Snow Child was actually an interesting song because it was really cool how... I think a lot of these songs... That's why, like, with this type of album, you have to listen to it front to back because a lot of these songs go into each other. Like, Snow Child, he's talking about how... In the past, he had this, like, obviously before he had this desire to leave Toronto and move to L.A., right, to start his his music career. And he thinks that that is, like, a positive move for him. And then on the next song, Escape from L.A., we see that contrast. We see that juxtaposition of, you know, 10, 10, 12-ish years later, get me the hell out of L.A. Because all of these temptations that are, like, surrounding him. You know, because like that's really like the basis of Escape from L.A., like how these L.A. girls that, you know, one, that they're all the same, but two, at the same time, he can't stop himself from hooking up with them and being with them and like the infidelity of it all. So I thought that was like a really cool like that moment in the album was like one of the cooler uh, like transitions where he kind of bring like I said, he talks about, you know. A dozen years ago, he was so excited to go to L.A., and now he can't wait to get out. Like, literally, he, you almost, like, you believe him that you he, if he does not leave L.A., like, it's going to kill him. Maybe that's why it feels like there's such, you know, like you said, juxtaposition between, when I mean, you said juxtaposition, I don't know if you said between the top and the, um, the back half of the album, but, like, it definitely feels like Escape from L.A. is, like, the pivot point of that album because then he just goes on, you know, like, F it, I'm heartless, and then, you know, faith, blinding lights, blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, I definitely felt like Escape from L.A. was, like, the pivot point sure. of the album. And then Heartless, you know, is, you know, that was that on the Uncut Gems soundtrack? And that was that was pre-released, right? That was a single that, that was a single, yeah. yeah so you kind of, like, knew, you know. I thought it transitioned well. It's always kind of strange when an album, like, has a single, and then it, like progresses into it i feel like he kind of always just like yeah i've read this before and he kind of just like skipped through it yeah even though harless is a great great song um maybe but that's why i no, feel that I, way but no i hear you because i really like the fact that like heartless is it continues the idea like it like of his flaws like him acknowledging his flaws and like what's wrong with him he said like there's a line on heartless where he says back to my old ways because i'm heartless like right that's obviously in the, in the hook and I think when he's saying as always, he's referring to like the trilogy with what I was talking about a little earlier with the fact that Drake and and uh, the weekend had a falling out back in those days because he would go on these benders uh, for weeks and and not talk to anybody and just have like you know random women coming throughout his house and that's kind of how that he was he's been 
and it's really only recently the last few years where he started to work on himself but these demons are of of the infidelity and the obviously the drug abuse which we see a ton of in, in a song like faith i really thought it was cool too that we got some production from metro boomin here in particular on heartless and faith i was actually pretty surprised that metro boomin had some production credits on faith given how sort of just slow and trippy it is almost but i think it's cool because like the content clearly matches like the reference of his demons with his drug abuse because it's like a very druggy trippy sounding beat the song is essentially about him overdosing on drugs and hoping that the woman he loves is going to be by his side when he dies which is a very dark and like grotesque way of kind of talking about his drug abuse but i think in in doing so it really highlights how necessary it is for him to like get the help that he should have. I mean, you mentioned temptations. He said, "I've been sober in faith." He said, "I've been sober for a year now. For for a year now, it's time for me to go back to my old ways. Don't don't cry for me, essentially." So, right. Yeah, he definitely is, you know, self-aware and you know, acknowledges that he's you know, human and and subject to his his temptations like you said. Um I thought faith really stuck out on the album to be honest. I really like I really like Faith. I think it might be one of my favorites on the album. Yeah, I like I like Faith too. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites. I like basically every song on this album to me. Uh, there's really not a bad song. Uh, just really songs I, I don't come back to as often. But again, I thought like, again, the, the transition from Faith to Blinding Lights is so dope to me because he has these, well, what we presume is him overdosing. And then in the outro, there's like these police sirens, and presumably we know he, we think he's dead. Um, and well, he says he ended up in the back of a flashing car, so obviously a, a cop car, right? Uh, and but he, then he talks about like these blinding, and they, which it goes right into blinding lights because he's like referencing this like white light that like you supposedly like see when you die, yeah. And then that goes right into blinding lights, uh, which was another single on the, on the album, and actually for me one of my favorite songs as well. Uh, I, I thought this song was so dope. It really had like a very uh, Stranger Things or like that song Take On Me. Like it had that vibe. Yeah. What year was that song released? I know. I Take know On Me? What talking about. Yeah. It, Take On Me it definitely was... had like a thriller type of vibe. And then I felt like that. Well, yeah, Michael Jackson. Like that, I feel like that, that vibe was followed up very like very similarly. 85, 85. For, for Take On Me, which but, makes sense given like the 80s, you know, style sounds. Yeah. See, I, I got that vibe when I first listened to, um, sorry, Blinding Lights. And then I thought the same thing, if not more of a vibe, which we were just describing, in, in your eyes. I thought they were very similar. Oh, absolutely. Um, like he continues that electro-pop, yeah. uh, electro-pop vibe. And, it, and it's really cool, like I said, because every song has gone into the next one. It just smoothly transitions. Like, blinding lights in your eyes you know what i mean and then save your tears <laughs> you know what i mean it all just kind of goes into each other the only track here is just that repeat after me interlude that doesn't like quite go into the the storyline of the album um but back to in your eyes and save your tears uh i i thought uh in your eyes almost had like a disco influence i don't know about you how you how you felt about that song yeah it definitely has like a a disco a disco vibe I don't know these songs just make you want to just like dance I don't know what it is about it but they definitely have a, a way of making you 
you know, like, his lyrics are, in and of themselves, like, you know, definitely, definitely great, but the, the music behind them and the way he, I don't know, is able to transition from, like, just the verse to the chorus of the song, like, each and every time, it's just, I don't know, it just definitely makes you feel, he's so good at making you feel the way he wants you to feel. You know, I agree. He's definitely trying to, you know, obviously, like, that's the point of music and art to try to you know direct a, a response yeah um, or like a this like to kind of mirror the same kind of feeling that you know the artist is having he wants to kind of depict that into you know provide insight into exactly. his own head and i just think he does a really good job of that throughout the whole entire album yeah no this is this is definitely in my opinion probably his best project uh and then or at least the best project that that does that for me uh, yeah, so again, In Your Eyes, I thought was a, another great track. The topic of this song is really more like that Her Eyes, Her, again, I guess I, I'm just assuming is referring to Bella, but uh, that they'll kind of help him see when he's blinded, which kind of goes back to the blinding lights sort of you know dichotomy where he's really kind of going into that progression. I thought the best thing about In Your Eyes, though, to me, this track in, in particular was the trumpets at the end. I thought that was like super incredible. Yeah. Like that backing, those trumpets at the very end just blew my mind, man. And then it goes into Save Your Tears, which honestly, if when I'm as I'm looking at this track list right now, Save Your Tears might be my second favorite song. Like I, I love it. I think it's super synth heavy. I love the melody that he chooses on the hook and like the higher pitch synth that he uses. Uh, his delivery on this track is just like silky smooth. I yeah. feel like it's it's just one of those songs that just kind of you can just throw on and vibe to his the range that he can reach with his voice definitely allows him to like have so many of these diverse you know layered um like tracks you know well and it's funny too because a lot of people claim that the 80s some of the 80s music was like some of the worst ever like a lot of people say like oh the yeah. 70s was awesome and then the 90s was awesome and people like some people question how good the 80s were uh, were in terms of music. So it's pretty funny to me and almost ironic that he would try to bring a lot of these sounds back. But it's so funny also at the same time that they work so well now that a lot of these sounds... And, and he's not the only one that's really tried to bring a lot of these sounds back. Like I've seen with obviously like Daft Punk this year. I'm assuming this in this decade has definitely done that. Pharrell has definitely done that. Uh, there's definitely there's a lot of artists that have tried to bring back this '80s sound, and uh, and the most more like electro pop style. Like even I don't know if you've heard Lady Gaga's new new single, but that does like a very similar thing. And and it's it's interesting to me that this sound is almost coming back. Like a lot of these trends, like you see it in clothing a lot. Like you see how like trends in clothing kind of come in and out and i think the same thing with music is 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 kind of the same purpose there is these sounds are all of a sudden now becoming more modernized even though a lot of them are rooted in that era of music and that yeah. 80s style so it's pretty cool but my favorite track personally on this entire album is after hours this the the title track really my god man i love this beat like this is definitely like my favorite i think instrumental on the whole project it's dark it's super textured it's got that really heavy synth and like the super heavy bass uh and then that sweet catchy guitar chord he has like at the very beginning i love that 
Uh, I think this song is an absolute banger. Like, if you don't bop and move your head to this track, like I don't think you're human. Especially when it like drops at the very beginning. Like I could see this track like being in like a like a club setting. I think yeah. it's like one of those tracks that you could really like have in in the club and it would listen well. Yeah, I mean it's got like that that kind of like whining in the big in the beginning that like drowned out kind of like you know backup of him of him singing and then it kind of like pauses for a second and then it definitely starts to pick up um yeah i can definitely see this in a in a club setting too yeah i think and then the like kind of topic of these last few songs is like him sort of like apologizing for what he's done and like begging for almost like another chance you know with his significant other and then of course like that's the of course the album ends with um until i bleed out and i think that this song clearly pairs well with the the album cover for me like this whole album is very purposeful like everything he's done to this point with this project he does it in with a purpose i think that's like really the biggest thing that kind of i take away from this i don't know about you i mean i don't i don't think there's any denying that it has a very polished feel i mean there's really not a lot of fat on this album you know i like i don't really think there's any I think the only track that doesn't fit in a ton is Repeat After Me, that interlude. Um, I don't think so. I think it breaks. I like kind of like it. It kind of like has that like breaking up feel, you know, because there's, there's like that like high pitch kind of like, I don't know, like winds in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a very atmospheric listen. Yeah. And I think it's kind of cool that almost. Depth to it. Yeah. I find it kind of interesting that he almost flips it on her a bit and he says even though she because the track before this like the save your tears song he's he's trying to uplift her a little bit more and tell her like you know even though we're not together anymore it's okay but then on the flip side he starts talking with this to repeat after me he's like you're you're thinking of you're just thinking of me when you're with all these other guys i'm sure and that's why you keep kind of crawling back to me but I, because like no guy is good enough for you as I am, and but yet, but on the on the flip side of that, he realizes almost this whole time, he's been saying I'm not good for you and I'm hard to love and and things I'm like that. And, yeah, I'm heartless. Yeah. Like so, it's so interesting. Like this is a very unique situation, I think. But in terms of you know the fact that he bashes himself this entire time, but then says on the other on the other hand well, I am good enough for you or I am the person for you really and I should be with you. I mean, I feel like that like dichotomy, like the contradictory thing that you're describing is kind of like kind of necessary like to do his situation like justice, you know, like this album was I'm sure formed over, you know, months or a year maybe or whatever, like you go back and forth and you have these emotions and these events in your life. You're like, you're going to, you're going to go back and forth on them and you're going to feel different one day. And you're gonna feel true. Some days you're going to feel a little more submissive and some days you're going to feel a little more, you know, no, it's your fault. Like, and I feel like, you know, those just, those waves, those ups and downs just get definitely pushed through the surface. Yeah. No, for sure. What were your, like, if you were to take maybe five songs on this album that were your favorites, which five are you are you keeping as your favorite songs? I mean, like I said, there's not a lot of fat on the album. I don't think there's like, a bad song here. Good things aren't, you know, they say like, you know, 
to make something better, you don't always add. It's more or less subtracting, taking away. And like you said, I don't think there's really much you can take away from this album. Um, that being said, I think my my top five. You don't have to order them or anything like that, oh. but just kind of your, your top five songs you would take it. See, I go on. in looking at it. And I'm like, yeah, I can pick five. And then I look at the album. It was like, tough. No, I actually can't pick five. I would say I would say Faith, Blinding Lights, and In Your Eyes, and, and then followed by Save Your Tears are the best, is the best lineup. I was going to say the best three, but In Your Eyes, I kind of have to throw in there too because those are four, four great songs. That's just my personal opinion. Then I would say probably five is got to be snow child but then too late and hardest to love are great too keep in mind i definitely like more of the r&b like you know like quote sad type like music so um this is really up your alley in the, terms yeah, oh yeah of, for yeah, sure yeah. and the instrumentals that check that box are probably going to be my more favorites understood that makes sense um but then you know but you had blinding lights in there, yeah. Didn't you? So I mean, like I said, blinding lights in, in your eyes just makes you want to just dance. I don't know, there's something about it. Like, definitely, I enjoy the wallowing, sad R and B vibes. But I mean, when you put those type of um, the disco, I feel like was very subtle, and I feel like that's kind of why it works. Is because like you know, you said with the trumpet, like the trumpet is in the forefront. And then you've had this like kind of like dribbling kind of like disco throughout the whole entire time, and it's going, it's going, and then like even at the end, it's it's still there, and the trumpet is is you know over that. Um, yeah, he didn't get into a lot of these disco influences until like maybe like the middle of the album with like songs like "Blinding Lights" and "In Your Eyes" and things like that. Which so. is why I feel like "Escape from L.A." is kind of the transition point. Sure, because you don't see any of that disco vibes on the front end. Um, you see, I don't know, the intro in the first couple of songs, you know, you could describe anyway, I guess. But then Snow Child is definitely like, um, you know, him being very reflective. And then Escape from L.A. is like a transition point. Uh, you know, it's a, a time of change. Um, or change that he thinks is needed. Right. I mean, like mentally and like geographically, you know. Sure. It like, does Absolutely. so much to you. And then he kind of you know accepts himself and says like yeah i'm heartless and and then you know that just goes into i feel like once he says i'm heartless it's almost like he kind of like opens up and it's like you know these last couple songs felt more like i don't know maybe i'm wrong but maybe it felt a little more like like him like like something that he wanted to do it felt like he had a little more like like passion no, the sound them. changes. You're absolutely yeah. right. I think after Escape from L.A., the album, because I think if you're looking at the first maybe five to six tracks, they're very, like you said, they're more wallowing. They're more like him feeling bad for himself, uh, especially I think and even just like sonically. Hardest to Love might be the only song out of the first maybe six or five right, right before Escape, if you want to include Escape from L.A. in that. That has it's this most like upbeat, you right. know what I mean? And then right. the upbeat tracks don't come in until much like, you know, after that, with, you know, we said Heartless. Uh, Faith, even though it has like a tr druggy and trippy sound, it still has uh, it, more, it, the tempo is, is a lot is a lot faster. Uh, Heartless kind of gives me that, that vibe too. Maybe it's just from the fact that it was in the Uncut Gems you know, soundtrack, but that like, 
that you know how like when they're in the movie like they were going through the gem and it was like that like that type of like you know just that no, that wavy synth exactly. yeah exactly yeah. Yep. yeah that wonky wavy synth right those are I mean, that's it's kind of interesting you picked those five tracks because the only track that you out of your top five that I have in my top five is Blinding Lights what was your top five my top five is Blinding Lights uh, Save Your Tears Hardest to I said love. save your tears. Oh, you did. I said faith, blind, and lights in your eyes. Save your save your tears. Are I pointed those out just because they're oh, okay. four great back to back songs. I would say those are probably my top four. I'll say. And oh, okay. I'll, and so I'll say I, Snow Child is my is my number five. All right. So I was so I was okay. So two two of the five then. So save your tears, blinding lights, uh, hardest to love. Just for the lone fact that it gives the first half of the album like a much needed kind of vamp in terms of like i like i just mentioned like the energy really there uh i love scared to live i think that's really a song that you and i haven't talked about a ton yet on this on this episode this song to me it's like it's a much lighter more heavenly sound very piano driven with like a lower tempoed um 808 in the background yeah but i think to me scared to live is his shining moment vocally like he gives the best for vocal sure. performance on Scared to Live yeah. for me. And I think that like it's the best sounding hook as well on the entire album. I like how he samples Elton John's uh, Your Song. Like, I hope you don't mind. I really love like that interpolation of, of, the, uh, of the song. I don't so, know if I picked up on that. Yeah. So, yeah, he actually, so in the, in the hook, he samples uh, Elton John. So, uh, his, uh, old Elton John song called Your Song. I think so. that it's funny you said that he proves himself vocally on this song because I, I feel like Scared to Live is probably on the album probably the best example of like Simple might do it best you know what I sure. mean this is a very simple simple song there's just that the 808 you know the bass in the background the kind of like heavenly sound like you said and then it's really just his vocals I feel yeah. like I mean maybe there's a couple other like transitions with the drums and, and like and whatnot, but I feel like for the most part, it's really just like you said. Instrumentally, it might be the most simple song on here, yeah. but I think, like you said, it works. Like simplicity, actually, you know, it's definitely a better thing. Uh, and then, obvious, and then I said a little earlier as well that the title track "After Hours" is probably my favorite song out of this crop. Uh, just, just for the fact that I just love the energy on this song. I love the vibe, like. Oh, I, I just get, I'm obsessed with this song. I can't stop listening to it. Uh, overall, man, to me, this is probably my favorite weekend album in terms, uh, front to back, just in terms of not only the concept, but like we talked a little earlier with the cohesiveness. And I think these are just some of his best songs that he's made just in terms of not only topically, but uh, instrumentally. It all just kind of fits, man. I got this for like a high, like AA plus for me. And this is, and, uh, you know, some of the albums that I've been reviewing uh, so far, uh, you know, if you haven't listened to some of my album reviews that I've been doing lately, uh, definitely go back and check those out. But this is my highest grade I've given so far this year uh, and probably my album of the year at this point. Yeah, I'd feel a little criminal not to give it that good of a rating. So I'm sorry, I think I interrupted you. Did you say, did you round off your top five? I know you said. Yep. Um, I got Save Your Tears, Blinding Lights, Hardest to Love. Scared to live and after hours. Those are my five. Okay. That I'm gonna that I'm gonna like that I take away the most. But this is an album for me though that I I just kind of play front to back. I know you kind of feel the same way. Yeah. Those are the albums that definitely stand out to me. I mean, like 
you know, Frank Ocean's album, like, Blonde, like, that, that album, like, I listen to, like, if I, if, if that song, if I'm, you know, going through my shuffle and a song on that album, like, comes up, like, more than not, I'll, like, just go to the straight up to the album and just listen to the whole thing through. It's you could definitely draw some parallels with Blonde yeah. to this. I mean, not that you, like, not you wouldn't force the parallels, but there are definitely some. I definitely see that in terms of, like, there being, like, two stages of the album. I feel like Frank Ocean's album had, you know, a definite front and back. And then yeah. this album feels kind of similar. Those are just two, you know, incredibly talented people. Yeah, Frank, I mean, Blonde is one of the best albums from the 2010s. I would Probably, I would, if I had to pick five albums on, maybe three albums all, all time, I'd die for, like, that would definitely be... Yeah. It's there for me too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, no question about it. Like I actually had this debate a little earlier with uh, with somebody that um, some people think not to go off on this Frank Ocean tangent, but a lot, some people consider Channel Orange to be better than Blonde. I don't know where you're at personally. I think that Forrest Gump is such a good song. Channel Orange had more hits. I see. I listened to Blonde first, and then I went back to Channel Orange. And I, I really well. I I didn't really like. I didn't really like. I guess it was probably late to the Frank Ocean bandwagon, maybe. So, um, sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I, I haven't really listened to much of his like, uh, like SoundCloud stuff either. Like, I know he has another album that's kind of like hard to find or something like that. And I haven't. So it's to that. nostalgic, or nostalgia. nostalgia. Mm, let me think of. Let me let me remember the name. Um. I believe it's nos- nostalgia ultra. Ul- nostalgia ultra. Nostalgia Ultra. Nostalgia Ultra. That's the uh, that's the name of them. Actually, so apparently it was a mixtape, so I think that's why it's not available for streaming. But um, yeah, there's that that album was incredible. Well, one of the first Frank Ocean songs I ever heard was actually on Nostalgia Ultra. Have you ever heard Swim Good? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's yeah, that, yeah that's, that's a good song. Yeah, yeah that, that was like the first Frank Ocean song I ever heard. Um, but yeah, no. I think that the weekend at this point in time, kind of to circle back to him, he has kind of put like his best foot forward with this album. Um, I'm worried, to be honest with you. I'm I'm a little worried for him just as a person. I don't know about you. I'm not not <laughs> as a person. It sounds like he has a great outlet and his music to to think through his his things. But I'm worried in the sense that when he comes out with another album, like how like. I just don't know how I'm going to be able to com- not compare it against this one. You know, this one is kind of going to be, I mean, how many artists like have like their best album, like at the, you know, later in their career, like they usually have like a peak where they have like, like, wow, like that's, you know, their, their best work. I feel like this is pro- up to date. This has got to be his best work. Who knows at the rate at which he'll tail off from this point. But, I mean, I don't know how much. Unless you go with a whole different vibe and, you know, totally change up your sound, you know. But I don't yeah. know if he can keep going with the disco stuff unless if it becomes a trend. However, I could also see him kind of making it a trend, in which case usually the trendsetters kind of end up going to a different trend that's kind of like tangent to it because they, you know, it gets so flooded and inundated. Oh, everyone's doing disco now. I, I you know, that's, I got to do something new. Well, it goes with what I was saying earlier too in terms of uh, this sound is definitely one that's 
come back up and is now popular again in modern right. music. Uh, he's not the only one doing it. But I agree with you that like he started a little bit, like he teased it a little bit on Beauty Behind the Madness with like songs like I Can't Feel My Face. And then Starboy, there was a little bit more of it. And now he's gone full fledged with it on on this on this album after hours. So I agree with you. Like, where does he go from here? You don't really want to hear the same things from an artist, like the same albums back to back. And to kind of go off your point, like artists that kind of dropped music that was or albums that were that were like kind of their critically acclaimed ones later on their on their careers like just to go off a few guys j cole i think 2014 forest hills drive was probably his like peak and that was his third fourth album and after like a, a ton of mixtapes and i think tyler the creator with flower boy and even just right now um flower Boy's another with with top three album yeah but that's what i mean like those two projects are tyler's best and tyler had so many albums before that so the weekend's not the only person that's done this but I do, I do hear you like a lot of people like a lot of artists typically their first maybe one or two ish three ish albums like those are the ones that kind of tend to hit uh versus others but no i i think it, it you definitely bring up a good point about where does the weekend go from here i almost feel like he needs to get back together with Bella and then break up with her again to make a good album. I like feel like Taylor Swift, just keep putting yourself through through nonsense just so you can make some some good music. Well, I feel like that's when The Weeknd's at his best. Yeah. It's when he's going through some shit. I didn't really... I, it's interesting that you said that you felt like uh, like you got like similar vibes from his past work. Like I, Earlier you said uh, like Michael Jackson-esque vibes. I didn't really get that from like his older stuff in terms of influence would you say that Daft Punk and like what he just put out are the same like because there's definitely a similar sound but I can't tell if it like you technically put it in like a sub or different category like you know is Daft Punk really like disco like you know but no, also like I would say electronic though yeah and Daft Punk had a hand in Starboy a oh, lot of Starboy is disco even the right word I feel like yeah. to, to call the, some some songs I, I think that the the Maybe, one song the that's very disco-y is In Your Eyes yeah, yeah. that that song has a in, in Blinding Lights like those Blinding Lights is a little bit more modern sound they're disco influence I wouldn't say that they are disco songs they're just disco influence that's what like, I was saying they're modern earlier. takes on that genre of music right and that's what I was saying about how it's like su- early about how it's subtle you know it's kind of it's, yeah, it's, it's not. that's as, why it works but it's so rooted in, in the 80s though this whole album like it's so rooted in the 80s right so I just feel like naturally his next album I mean, well, he's done like we've said like he's done this build like there were a couple of tracks like for example like go back and listen to uh in the night and obviously go listen like really take a listen to can't feel my face you'll hear that though some of those michael jackson and sort of not disco but those electronic heavy synth pop that yeah. was really prevalent in that time you'll hear that a ton in uh, those two songs and then you'll kind of and then go back to Starboy and listen to like a song like I Feel It Coming and like Secrets listen to Secrets and then on Starboy actually you know what we'll, we'll play them right now like I mean the thing is though you said we only pick, bringing up disco vibes we only picked out two songs on After Hours that had those disco vibes so what do you feel makes it different now on After Hours because then if you know if because the whole album is really rooted in, in 80s sounds not not always disco, but the whole album is eighties because or eighties influence. Because when you look when you listen to Starboy, not every song did. Like a song like Party Monster, 
wasn't that's not that wasn't an eighties right so sounding what, track. So what of like of what he added, like what do you think is that extra like sprinkle, so to say, that makes for this? Yeah, for this new album that makes it so appear like well polished and give you that because it's definite, cohesive definitive vibe because it's cohesive because everything it's it, every song goes into the next so smoothly there's so many good transitions not mm-hmm. only topically but sonically and it also if this album flows a little better from start to finish than a lot of his others for those reasons so and, and again like i said the 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 actual concept that he's going for in this song i mean in this album it's it's there i mean like we even talked about a little earlier with the end of faith with that like white light he sees that goes into blinding lights and then he's blinded by the lights in that song he's drowning in the night so to speak and then from there he's blind and then he has to go to in your eyes for he needs to look into her eyes to help him see but he realizes that every time he does that, he hurts her and she cries. So he wants her to save her tears and blah, blah. And it kind of just progresses. So, and, and very similar at the very beginning of the album, you see he's alone again, right? He wants to make the make the relationship or mend the relationship, but it's too late. Well, he's right? kind of saying like, almost like he doesn't like, he doesn't really feel it anymore, right? Because he's saying like, um, oh, what's the lyric? I just had it. Um... <clears throat> oh, in the beginning of In Your Eyes, he says, I'd rather be so oblivious. I'd rather be with you. Right. If someone said that about me, I don't know how I'd take it. He's pretty much saying, like, like I have to I have to turn myself off to be with you, right? Like, I, like you right. know, I'm, right? I mean, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, because all these temptations that he's gone through, right? And like he's talking about on <clears throat> tracks like Escape from LA and snow child right how he had this huge desire to go from toronto to la and how it was going to change his career and he had all like these sort of uh you know these 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 feelings that he wanted to go explore himself and, and yada 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 but now he's realizing la is not the best for him but because it's not best for his relationship so he he want he wants a lot of things and he realizes he can't have them all i mean in in your eyes and um uh, um what's the other oh sorry in in your eyes and the repeat after me uh interlude is he talking about the same person because if so those are two very contradictory things i think he's talking about the same person the entire time did a little research as well because apparently there's uh there's been stories out that Bella Hadid has like gone and seen other people and like when they've had splits but she keeps crawling back to him mm-hmm. so that's why repeat after me makes total sense in terms of like a song well it's just weird that he would say something like in your eyes you'd say I'd rather be so oblivious I'd rather be with you but then yet he's like I don't want to say torturing the person, but like it's saying, a bit. like well, you know, you, <laughs> you don't love him if you're thinking of me. You right. know, like that's right. kind of like, you know, like casting a, a, a net of, of of sorts. You know, it's like he's yeah. like cutting himself off the cord. Like I don't even really want you. Like I'd rather be oblivious. There's this. I think there's this sense of like pride that yeah. comes with the song, like "Repeat After Me," like this brash masculinity that he can't like 
get rid of quite. You know what I mean? Because he, I don't think he like, or 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 it's on the flip side, he can't accept. Like it's almost like uh, reverse psychology, right? Like even if she's not thinking of him, he's gonna like keep popping up and tell her like, oh. You're thinking of me yeah. when you're with other people. You're thinking of me. You are. And then maybe she's like, am I? And then it makes her think about it a little bit more. It's like some you know people I mean? need to have. It's like almost a manipulative thing. Yeah. It's like other people need to ha- Some people, I guess, need to have other people. Like they need real estate in their heads to feel like, you know, they're good about themselves. So yeah. it's like when I'm with you, it's like, oh, it's too easy. But when, you know, I, I, I don't even really, you know, you're both, like beneath me. But then when you're away, then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, I want, I want to be, I want the confidence of knowing that like you're thinking of me, you know? I think that's beautifully said. And I think that's exactly like the, the message he's kind of going for here. And whether that's healthy or not, I would I would probably err on the side that it's not, but I mean I'm not knocking him for it. I'm we all have you know it's honest. Like yeah, no for it's sure. Very honest. That's why I definitely like that's that, don't like that's why I love an album like this. Like right. like I said, you need the dichotomy because that's the only way to do justice to the whole sure. his situation. If he was if he came out and just was you know pretty one sided, obviously I feel like we probably wouldn't be you know talking about this. And also just the fact that you can work through both sides of that, I feel like is definitely advantageous artistically, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, absolutely. Salvador no, Dali, you know, Temptations of, it, that was a famous painting of his. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it definitely, definitely bodes towards, like, the artist. I think you're right. That's what makes this album as good as it is because it, it drove that artistic vision of painting this this picture of, uh, you know the, the 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 dichotomy between you know should I stay in this committed relationship and really make it work this time, or am I just and or, or am I just gonna go back to my old ways? Mm. Like he can't. He realizes he, at this point now. I think over his career, he's realized he can't be both, even though he wants to be, and really remains to be seen. You know how he's gonna work through it this time. But we've seen him work through this multiple times on other albums and things like that. And it's going to be interesting to see where he, like you said, where he goes a little earlier, where he goes really from here, just subject-wise and and other things. But either way, uh, yeah, I, overall, like we said, um, if you haven't heard this album yet after us talking about it. I mean, uh, everyone struggles like with their, you know, the back and forth of their ego. And I feel like that this album just does a good job of like showing you know his process of of going through his ego and just that alone sure makes it you know a good listen yeah i agree i agree yeah so high high praise from both of us uh definitely a phenomenal album that you should totally check out and uh yeah so thank you guys for tuning in anthony thank you for joining the show and giving some insight on this album you were awesome and you gave us a lot of really good uh you know details to this project clearly you've you've listened to it quite a bit so thank you again for coming on and we really appreciate having you yeah it's good to be here it's a long trek from the uh, downstairs i know so i know please get home safe and make sure you stay in quarantine long drive ahead of me (laughs) uh please follow us on instagram at turntable teachers and uh hit up our website for blogs and other episodes 
shop, merchandise, all that good stuff at www.turntableteachers.com. Thank you for tuning in. This is Mike, and class is dismissed. Turn, 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 turn,